Uh, welcome. Um, I think we're, we're going to get started here. I'm, I'm Brian Rosenthal. I'm a state government reporter at the Houston Chronicle. Um, and you were at uh, Tax Tribune Festival's Border and the Legislature panel. Uh, hopefully you were uh, intending to be here. Um, our uh, panel will last an hour today. We're 40 to 45 minutes of uh, uh, conversation up here, and then we'll have 15 to 20 minutes of questions from you all. Um, and there'll be microphones, I guess, set up there and, and there for you to go to when it is that time. Um, for now, I want to ask you to uh, silence your phones. Um, and if you are going to tweet, uh, they want me to tell you to use the hashtag TTF for Texas Tribune Festival. Um, we have a great uh, panel with us today. Uh, we're uh, lucky to have, again, uh, the uh, man who has led Texas border security efforts for the past uh, decade or more, uh, first as the uh, Homeland Security Director uh, for uh, former Governor Rick Perry and since 2009 as the Director of the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. That's Steve McCraw on my left, Colonel Steve McCraw. Uh, the Colonel started his career as a, a DPS uh, Highway Patrol Trooper and then uh, a narcotics agent and then spent two decades with uh, the FBI, eventually rising to a special agent in charge in San Antonio and assistant director of the Terrorism Tracking Office of Intelligence. Uh, we also have uh, four uh, leaders of the border security conversation at the legislature, uh, starting uh, with uh, Representative uh, Tam Parker uh, here to uh, the colonel's left. Um, Representative Parker, Republican of Flower Mount, is the chairman of the uh, House Republican uh, Caucus, which obviously made border security a, a big priority uh, this year. Um, and he also has filed legislation uh, about uh, border security uh, for uh, a number of years, starting in uh, 2007, uh, when uh, he joined the legislature, filed uh, legislation uh, uh, proposing an investment of $130 million, which was then unprecedented. Uh, shows you how far we've come. Uh, now we're talking about $800 million. Uh, to Representative Parker's left, uh, we have uh, Representative Ponce Navarez, uh, Democrat of Eagle Pass. He's the Vice Chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security and Public Safety. Um, also was just named to a select interim committee uh, on border security. Uh, he is in his second term, Representative House District 74, has been very outspoken uh, on these issues, as I'm sure we will get to, um, and uh, is, uh, was elected in his first session as the freshman of the year for the House Democratic Caucus. To his left, we have uh, the chairman of the House uh, Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee, that's Representative Larry Phillips, uh, Republican of Sherman, um, and uh, in that, position as chairman of the committee, he led this $800 million uh, border security investment, which we uh, are going to be talking about. He's also on the select committee uh, on uh, border security that is working this interim. Finally, uh, we have Representative Cesar Blanco, a Democrat of El Paso, um, a veteran uh, having served as a military intelligence analyst um, in the US Navy. Um, he is not on the border security panel, but uh, made it uh, his, one of his uh, major topics uh, this year, um, led an unsuccessful effort to acquire the Department of Public Safety uh, to uh, provide the legislature with more uh, metrics about the, uh, the, uh, the uh, efforts down there. I'm sure we'll be talking about that uh, as well. Um, and uh, he um, was uh, also, uh, named as the only freshman on the Texas Monthly's uh, best lawmaker uh, list. Um, so uh, again, a, a great panel. And I actually want to start uh, with uh, Chairman Phillips. And, um, and I want to go back, because obviously we're going to talk uh, about what happened this session and, and what there is still to do this session. Um, but uh, I want to, to make sure we understand how we got here. Um, because Texas is the only state in the country that spends a significant amount of money on border security currently. Um, for most of its history, it never spent money, a significant amount of its own money on border security. It left that job to the federal government. 
why why did we feel the need to get in this business? Why do we continue to feel the need to to, to work on this? Well, because the federal government's done an abject failure at doing one of their sole responsibilities, which is protecting this nation from uh, invasion. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing invasion. And I'm talking about the cartels sending drugs and uh, human trafficking and destruction in our nation. And that's why we had to do it, because the federal government, and, and this is, not, I'm not blaming one particular part of the federal government. They've failed their job. Either they refuse or do not truly understand the devastation that's causing to the state of Texas and the rest of the nation because they're not doing this. They've been told, General McCaffrey, before this current president was elected, did a report. And he said that one of the number one threats to our nation is the narco economy that's developing in Mexico. And everything that was predicted in that report has basically come true. And that's why we're doing that. Uh, it's a shame. $800 million would be a lot better spent to help our retired teachers' health care become whole. That's where I would rather. And so we did spend money to $700 million, but think about that equivalent. That's a commitment that Texans have to Texans, but we're having to do what the federal government's not doing. And I'm not saying that they're completely ignoring it, but they're not doing it. It hadn't been done. Do you well, agree with that assessment? I, I, I disagree. I think that uh, you look at the legislature in terms, in context, the 84th legislature was sandwiched right in between Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's campaign for Lieutenant Governor and Donald Trump's campaign for President. And we have all seen what they've been talking about. Um, the Lieutenant Governor had an opportunity to, to speak about immigration briefly yesterday. I think this is about politics. I don't think it's about sound policy. Uh, we, the governor said that uh, declared border security an emergency item, um, and Republicans rushed to spend $800 million with no data, no transparency, no metrics, and no accountability. So uh, they're spending a lot of money, and we're not sure what we're getting for it. That aside, we have a legislature that wanted to repeal the DREAM Act for DREAMers here in Texas, something that a Republican governor uh, fought for. We have Republicans that are looking at sanctuary cities. And then we also have uh, birth certificates that are being denied in hospitals. So I think that sets the tone uh, of where this legislature is and, and what happened, and, and I think that that really describes what the intent here, policy. It's not about policy, it's about politics. And I just want to jump in. Did I say anything about immigration? Did I say anything? I'm talking about the destruction that's going across. I had a father call me the other day. His daughter's addicted to meth. Been a year. Those are the real problems we're having. And to try to bring in what I think is political, uh, political things in between this. This was a bipartisan approach that we did. There were probably 20 uh, Democrats that didn't vote with us, besides you and another person from El Paso County, which is the only border county. All the other border uh, Democratic representatives worked with us. And that's the difference. And I, I didn't want to set a tone of saying it's this party or that party, because in Texas, we try, we've tried very hard to be bipartisan, and I think we did. And that's why we had leaders such as Poncho and others uh, who joined with us to work, who helped us make the legislation better and will be continue to make sure that whenever the DPS is instituting it, that we're being sensitive to the region that we're talking about. And, and, and I, I mean, I want us to get past the partisan, this, this guy running for president or that guy running for president, and let's solve these issues regarding the, the cartels and, and the drugs. Well, well let, let me interject yeah. this too, and just because we're interjecting as yeah. we go around, but yeah. a couple things. <laughs> One is uh, Chairman Phillips mentioned McCaffrey's report, and I will tell you this about McCaffrey's report. And, and he's talking about, and I think he mentioned that just about everything McCaffrey wrote in there came to pass. And I'll argue that it didn't. One is he wrote a report from a military perspective and in an attempt to somewhat militarize the way we uh, look at the border. And I think he wrote that report, for, one of the reasons he wrote the report was to try to get Rick Perry elected president. And that, that's the reason. And, and that you can argue about why he did it or why he didn't, but I believe that that was the reason for that report. And in that report, he describes a, 
a scenario where the cartels on the Mexican side, once they start losing whatever, whatever cartels losing ground, they start to fall back within one county deep and fight their fight basically from the Texas side of the border. And so he describes all these different uh, scenarios where they have uh, safe houses, where the cartels are arming themselves and then from there going out and joining the fight in Texas counties like Maverick County, Valverde County, Brewster County, Webb County. Well, we know that hasn't happened. And what he was describing was a phenomenon that we've had, not just in border counties, but in counties like Tarrant County, uh, uh, Dallas County, Collin County, is stash houses for dope. I mean, that's existed for as long as there's been a dope trade. There's been stash houses for, for human beings because human beings move up the trail from, you know, the border to Chicago to New York to Houston, wherever they're going. So this is not a new phenomena that has exploded or expanded in the last few uh, years. It's been going on for a long time. It's now become an issue because we had a mass of children and women that you know, crossed the border about a summer ago. And so you have to put these things into perspective. And, and Chairman Phillips is correct. You know, I did work on the bill, but one of the reasons I worked on the bill is I was trying to make a really, really bad bill not so bad. And there was a lot of language in there that was horrible when it talked about penalizing some of the activities that maybe one of us might uh, come across in terms of dealing with a family member that's not here legally or uh, somebody that, that's walking on the side of the road. And so there was a lot of... Uh, extreme rush to criminalize and penalize a certain segment of our population because of where we live, the kind of food we eat, and maybe because we have a lot of vowels in our last name. And, uh, and so, that makes it political. Yeah. That makes it political. I, I respectfully disagree with my good friends that are Democrat uh, colleagues here. I just think that isn't a fair assessment of what took place. I mean, first and foremost, this was, a, as Chairman Phillips said, a bipartisan effort. We passed uh, House Bill 11, it was uh, 130 to 11, uh, just to kind of give you the facts on what the numbers look like. And this is about the safety and security of 27 million Texans and the safety of the United States, uh, pure and simple. It's not about politics, it's about safety. Uh, I had the privilege in my time in the legislature of serving as the corrections chairman for a period of time. And so looking at the level of uh, uh, criminal activities that were occurring in the state directly due to folks that had gotten here illegally was something that was very uh, important to me. And one of the stats that really sticks out for me is almost 650,000 uh, crimes being committed against Texans from 2008 to 2014 by people that were here illegally. My friends, that's the issue that we're tackling. Uh, making certain that we are addressing the issues firsthand uh, before they become a matter of great uh, security uh, threat, if you will, to the people of Dallas-Fort Worth, the people of Houston, in all the various populations of the state of Texas. So uh, it was not about politics, it was about substance, it was about protecting the people of this state. So, uh, oh, did you want to weigh in on that? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I work for them. I, I thought you might not, but it looked like you, uh, you, you might. Um, so I, I did want to ask you, I mean, obviously we have a, a partisan uh, divide here between the Democrats on the panel and the Republicans on the panel, but uh, maybe we should just step back and, and from your perspective, um, you know, I think we all know that uh, the legislature passed an $800 million um, border security uh, effort. Can you give us an update on, on, you know, what exactly is being done now the fiscal year has started, and do you think it's enough, or do you think uh, there needs to be more? Well, I mean, first, to just underscore some of the discussion that, yeah, clearly there is a vulnerability. Um, Texans were impacted uh, by an unsecured border. They certainly, not just in terms of the Rio Grande Valley, and not in terms of Laredo or El Paso, but you know, often some of the most insidious things happen are upstream in our major metropolitan areas. Whether it's human trafficking, international sex trafficking, or if it's drug trafficking, and you've seen the, the dramatic increases in terms of not just black tar heroin, but other narratives that the, the Mexican cartels have come up with. And that's a nationwide problem I deal with other colonels with, and we recognize Texas is a transshipment center. So to the extent that the border is secure, doesn't just help Texas, it helps the nation, but it also helps the government of Mexico, the people of Mexico, because the cartels have taken that opportunity to exploit it, to become, a, and to exploit a billion yard a year um, industry, both and they treat people like a commodity and they treat drugs like a commodity. So clearly there's a threat. I think we can all agree upon that aspect of it. Now what to do about that threat? And the legislature made it very clear that it's not just the border, it's, it's statewide. You know, it's Operation Secure Texas, 
that we've got an obligation to look at all aspects of it. And one a aspect one is secure the border. What can we do working with our Border Patrol partners? And I'm going to make that very clear, partners, because Border Patrol has been with us you know, since 2009 and will continue to be with us. And their success is our success. And I'm quite confident if they had the resources that they needed that we wouldn't need to be involved, quite frankly. It's a great organization, great men and women, very brave. Every day they protect this nation on the front lines, and, uh, and we we're very clear about that. And many things that the legislature has done is put them in a position to be, in, to be more proactive. And that's really what the Texas model is, is what have we done? Uh, they, we transitioned to a, a, a more of a, a reactive, proactive approach. We've done saturation patrols in high smuggling areas to, to deter Mexican cartels and their smuggling activity. Does that happen? Yes, certainly you do it. They, they do it for money. And if you're there, they, they certainly want to find ways around it. They may flood the area with spies and scouts, which they do, and they maintain them around the clock because they can afford to do so. And they'll attack the seams, they'll attack shifts and many of those things. But the legislature made it clear that we're not about just seizing things and arresting people. They want the dadgum thing secure, which means that we've got to move to a different angle, which means that you start talking about detection capability because you can't hire enough Border Patrol agents to secure the Texas-Mexican border. 1,254 miles, and that's river miles when you start looking at it. Can you hire enough people, period, to completely secure the border? I don't think, I think you can okay, if it's a combination with technology. You have to use technology. It has to be aviation and aircraft and the legislature. State Texas leg legislature, we have eight you know, helicopters and aircraft dedicated full-time right now in the Rio Grande Valley. In fact, that's 11 because we moved a helicopter from Waco and from Longview and we're about to move one from Corpus Christi. A having aviation overhead, and where our pilots are talking directly to border patrol <coughs> agents and our troopers on the ground is the right thing to do in that area of operation. So uh, the tactical boats, eight tactical boats in the river, because that's got a deterrent but end of detection capability. So being proactive. And the Texas paradigm, if you will, is that it's defense in depth, but you know, there's a lot of military models out there, defense in depth, but Texans don't want the defense in depth being horizontal. We give up parts of Texas. And so we've adopted a stacked approach. It's a vertical defense in depth. We start with the boats in terms of detection and deterrence. The Border Patrol sensors are out there. You don't get to see anybody, but they do detect people along those lines. Then you've got the cameras, the drawbridge cameras on top of that, that we work with Border Patrol in. Then you, then you move to the, the, the observation towers. Then you move to the aerostats at Border Patrol. I think the governor recently requested five more aerostats for Border Patrol that provides clear value. Then the helicopters the legislature purchased for us, state-of-the-art helicopters, and on top of that, mid-altitude aircraft that we'll be able to use with MX-15 and look and have that where we can slave over that area and support Border Patrol and troopers on the ground. And then the high altitude, we have one already deployed, and the legislature in this last session authorized the purchase of another one of those things. So now we've got an integrated network, and we're focused right at the river at that point in time, and we're not allowing it to get into the traffic. Because once it hits the highways, once it, once it hits 83, you're going to lose a certain percentage of it. Once it hits, you know, further north, if it gets to 37, 77, 59, any of those corridors, 281, you know, you're going to lose a percentage of it. And the, the enemy is the cartels. And you, if you deny them the ability to operate and sustain profits between that port of entry, then they're going to displace it. They're going to push it to the bridges, and they're going to push it to the coast. But they're going to get it out of our communities. And there may not be, there's certainly not, and I would agree, there's not, uh, uh, safe houses in terms of where the cartels are battling each other along those lines, but there are stash houses, human and drugs, and also home invasions that happen in those areas. And those impact law enforcement in those communities and impacts the citizens. So getting organized crime out of, okay, the border region and not allowing it to proliferate across Texas has been a, a, a clear mandate that the legislature has said. And, and I, I can assure you they're going to hold, hold us accountable. And so, right. And, and yeah, I'd like to weigh in on that. You know, yeah. we, we've seen, uh, and I think it's been a, a sloppy, uh, from my perspective, sloppy implementation. Uh, you've written about it. We've seen the articles that Border Patrol and DPS are not talking. Uh, they're not communicating. Uh, you had the article that uh, demonstrated that Border Patrol was waiting. DPS trooper comes in when, when a family or, or a group of people were going to come across, and they decided not to cross, and, and the Border Patrol was agent. Later on, they talked about it at, at, at a Subway sandwich restaurant. But overall, the implementation has been sloppy. The, the Border Patrol and DPS share the same, as the director indicated, same cameras, but there's no communication. And I think, uh, you know, DPS is pulling people over. They're writing traffic citations. They're peeking into cars uh, to see who's suspicious, because obviously they don't do racial profiling, but they're peeking in the cars to see who's suspicious. 
And then they're contacting Border Patrol uh, so that Border Patrol can check their, their uh, uh, papers. Um, so it's been, it's been a mess. You know, uh, from an organizational standpoint, uh, Director McGraw had said that it's a partnership, that they're working together. Uh, we received, uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro sent a letter to uh, the Border Patrol requesting information on uh, the federal involvement in Operation Strong Safety, and they, in paper, said we are not participating in that operation. And, and to that point, you know, they, they, you look at Operation Strong Safety, and they have an organizational chart. The only thing missing from this organizational chart is organization. <laughs> Who's accountable here? Who is the boss? Who is leading this effort? You know, my background in the military, uh, there's a strict chain of command because there's got to be accountability. Uh, and in this case, seeing that there's a lack of cooperation, uh, a lack of uh, coordination, demonstrates that uh, the implementation is not going well. Yeah, I'd like to respond to that. Just not in respectfully because he's, he's my rating official. I, mean, I thought the other way around. But, uh, and he is from El Paso, so he should, you know, I, I have to get over that real quick. But, and let me, uh, let me but, make sure, you know, when you weigh in, I, can, you, can you talk about that letter? Because it does sure. seem to oh, say I'd, I'd be glad to. I, I, I'm shocked and astounded and lost to understand how Washington can make a mistake like that. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe not. Okay. The bottom line is Border Patrol has been a partner since we've gotten into this business because you can't, you can't do anything that relates to border security unless you're working as a partner. The drawbridge may, may have been paid by the state legislature, but it's implemented by Border Patrol. The bottom line is our pilots may be down there supporting troopers, but they spend most of their time supporting Border Patrol agents. They, they direct communication to them. The chain of command, this is not the military. You know, every sheriff is king and queen, and so is every chief of police. It is civilian law enforcement, so when you do a unified command structure, there's no one person. It's everyone has to be a part of the team and team players and an integrated approach, plain and simple. So when I talk about, you know, the cooperation and integration, Border Patrol has been, will continue to be, and, I, and, and there's one way to prove it, and that's to go down and take a look at it. And as you did, you know, I would invite, again, you know, Representative Blanco, because, and, and talk to Border Patrol, talk to Raul Ortiz, the Deputy Sector Chief, or Kevin Oates, or Jason, or, you know, Jason over at the, the Border Patrol Sector Chief in, in Rio Grande Valley, and go out and get out with the truth. Right now, we've got the Cortina <coughs> units, which has been dubbed by Border Patrol, and that is where we put troopers inside Border Patrol vehicles. Not to work immigration, because but there's some concurrent jurisdiction issues that are state crimes that Border Patrol didn't enforce, and, and, and conversely, federal crimes that, that we don't enforce and uh, don't intend to enforce. And I'll use an example, uh, well, that, why that matters, why it's important to integrate operations, is that, is that in Starr County, we had a trooper and a Border Patrol agent track, you know, trail to a stash house. They went up to it, it was locked in, and unfortunately, what you see in the, many of these areas, these stash houses, that the people are chain locked in. And we had a trooper and a special agent from the DPS that was able to talk to two of the women in there who were pregnant. They, they were overheated. They didn't have water. Okay, the food is, is sparse. And they had to do an emergency entry into that location because they, they called out. And, of course, when you do that, you don't have a search warrant. And the U.S. Attorney's Office wasn't willing to pursue on the smuggler inside the house that was abusing these illegal aliens while they're over here and holding them hot, in effect, holding them hostage. Called the district attorney, that border prosecutions unit, which is paid for by the state legislature, and guess what? Yes, we'll take state prosecution on that. So that's, there's value always in terms of an integrated approach. And I challenge anybody that thinks that we're not working with border patrol, come on down. And if you, if, if anyone thinks it's sloppy, let's go down to the, let's go down and look at the tactical briefs on a daily basis. Let's take a look at the weekly unified command briefs. Let's talk. Let's sit there and talk to local officials. Now I can't. You know, every line troop is not going to appreciate the strategy because DPS is not about letting people in and then catching them. I mean, our mandate is to close the door. And if we get a camera hit, we're running to it. You know, plain if, and simple. If we're, if we're, real quick, if, we're, if it's border security and we're targeting undocumented and we're targeting cartel crime, why are the statistics for traffic citations up here and higher? than apprehensions and uh, drug interdiction. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, if, if it's border security, you're asking me about, about why, metrics. Why are there more citations than drug apprehensions? There's always going to be more citations when you move, you know, 200 plus troopers down and operate them 12 hours a day. Bottom line is so that many, writing, of the things, many things that we do when you do proactive patrolling, 
in the saturation patrols, we don't go down there and just stop everybody. You have a reason to stop. We're, we have to abide by the Constitution. We have the Fourth Amendment. So there has to be a reason to stop someone first and foremost before you even move if there's any other violations that move along that chain. Part of the transition that the legislature wanted, and the governor's made very clear, is that instead of this patrol approach, which was highly inefficient, by the way, because you're taking troopers from around the state, Texas Rangers from around the state, special agents from around the state, we're moving them down there seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and rotating them back and forth instead of having the resources there. And we're also, also on the 83 and those east-west or river road uh, uh, parallel roadways instead of responding. And that's the advantage the legislature's given us. Now we have detection technology. We've integrated that with our Border Patrol partners, with the, with the cameras. And now all of a sudden, we're not, we're not on the highways. We're not on 83 anymore, okay? We're, in, we're down closer to the river and we're responding directly to those cameras because... That's part of the, the increase in funding. Brian, exactly. Brian, I, I, saw, yeah. I saw something, let me say something about the, we're talking about, we're talking about logistical things regarding Border Patrol and DPS, and I saw something that's very interesting. Border Patrol has a policy, they don't get wet. And what that means is, if they track somebody, and it's literally, they do not get wet. Yeah. And if they track somebody on the river, what they do is, their job is to turn people back. And so, it, I don't know if, a lot of you know this, but most of the river belongs to Mexico, the, the literal river itself. In most parts of the state, it's not part of Texas. And so for a lot of different reasons, the Border Patrol does not stick a toe in the river unless it's a, a rescue situation or an emergency. And even then, it's very difficult for them to get into the water. And what they do is they wait for somebody to come on. When they come on, then they make the apprehension or, or turn them back. I saw a video where a DPS helicopter hovered over the river and in an attempt to stop somebody from coming across or rafting across, what the pilot did is bring the chopper down real close to the water and turn that uh, lifeboat over. And so you don't know if that person knows how to swim or not, whether they're, I mean, they're probably committing a crime, but at that point, your method of interdiction has become a danger, not just to the pilot, but, and this is video shot from the Mexican side of the river. Yeah, and, and who shot that? Probably the cartel, because the cartel are spying. Well, who, and, and that's, that's, yeah. and that, that's, that's, that, well, that's the issue. We can nitpick of what's, of the plan that's been implemented, but. but, 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 my, but my, my point, uh, my point is this, Larry, is that you cannot, this idea that we're, they're doing different things, and when you, you know, you made the comment, the federal government is an abject failure. Well, I mean, that's that's a hyperbolic comment. No, about, no, it's right? it's the truth. It's the truth. It is the truth. I mean, think about this. You, do you think the border is secure? I'll point, I'll point I, this I out. want to know. Do you think the border is secure? Because as long as you've got in the last six months, they've in the El Paso region, they got forty thousand pounds of marijuana. Sure. They got three hundred thirty-eight, uh, three hundred thirty-two pounds of cocaine, three hundred thirty-one pounds of meth, uh, nineteen pounds of heroin. Those are the things that are happening, Absolutely. and so the, the question is, is it secure? And if it's not, whose responsibility is it? Well, here, it's the federal we, government. Yeah. We, we and we've, we've, with y'all's help, have tried to come up with a more common sense solution. And that's what we need to do, and what I would rather take us back and try not to start a partisan war in Texas over this. And that's, that's what I want to do as, as chairman it's, of the committee and invite you. It's the Border Prosecution Unit. We all supported that. Well, you voted for it. I think we Those all, are we things all want that we can do. Conversation that's right. Other, Absolutely. But, about but, how but, we move forward. But, I, I might just say one thing sure. about what Colonel McGraw said earlier is that, you know, I was, had the privilege of being elected in 2006, starting in 2007, and I saw firsthand the, the level of coordination between uh, DPS and what we were doing from a U.S. Border Patrol perspective back then in 2007. Going here uh, in the last year, I'll tell you right before this last session started, the level of coordination was dramatically improved from my perspective. Uh, you know, and I had the experience of being firsthand in a helicopter with DPS officers reporting to Colonel McGraw that were coordinating on the ground with U.S. Border Patrol. So we saw these experiences firsthand. I mean, I think that things are being implemented, in my perspective, very, very well. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all can agree that we have a problem that the border is not secure, and that we need to have a constructive, constructive conversation to move the ball forward. Right. I think we all recognize that the, uh, that the current president of the United States, President Obama, uh, has really turned a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to this problem. I mean, Politics. He, he came, no, I don't think so. When he comes to Austin to do a fundraiser, but then chooses not to come down and see it firsthand, and instead gets a briefing from Valerie Jarrett, not understanding the dynamics of what's really taking place on the ground, I don't think that's politics. I think that's a decision that he isn't engaged, doesn't understand the importance of the issue. Look, that's my perspective. Look, Tan, you, you can take a one-day trip to my community and, and, and paint my community as unsafe. 
Um, and, and I think that's dangerous because it's the same state uh, that we all represent. And when you're making a, and, and, and you're, you're part of this, uh, Tan, because we've seen Donald Trump, we've seen Scott Walker all come down to the border, take pictures to get that photo op to say, I went down to the border for a day and I made it back home alive. We went down to that war zone. And, ta and taking yeah, pictures, yeah. right? You've got a picture of yourself on your own campaign website. That's not healthy for our community. To your statistics, uh, according to the FBI, FBI, by the way, does track statistics, all the border communities are safe. Sherman, Texas, crime index is higher than all the border communities. Yes. So we're going to talk about data yeah. and, and about getting at the yeah. root of the problem, the demand, Looks like it's coming right, from right. again. Texas. But what you're what you're doing is you're you're once again taking away from from thinking about securing the border because it's not secure. We came down for border wait time and we learned how many hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> right. because we're having to search every truck coming through there. We're having to spend so much money and it's creating it's causing trouble down there. I, and and I've not said anything about El Paso not being. A safe place, or anything like that. When you say like the border, you're saying my community. No, I mean, that's the, not the, true. That's, at, that's not where true. is the border? Where is El Paso? We have we have 1,254 miles of border, and there's different regions that are having different issues. Well, and that's I, the point. We have to work with the locals, which he says my, my, we have to work with the locals, and that's what we're doing to try to do that. We look, need to take my, we, we need to take look, action. My argument is an economic argument. We're trying to uh, invite business, investment, get our economy rolling. And when you say it's unsafe, that hurts our economy, especially, and I take offense to it, when you're outside of the community, you go down there for one day and you make an assessment. Well, I think, well, I think well, respect, it, I don't it, just it, go down for one day over the many years. I've been down there more than well, one day, well, so let's be clear. Ten, so, look, I mean, if I went to Flower Mound, if I went to Flower Mound with a group of, if I went to, look, all our communities ha get a bad rap at some point. I think you had a high school uh, that had a couple of white power signs at a, at, a, at, a, at a basketball game. If I were to go to your community in one day and, and paint Flower Mound as a racist community, you'd have a problem with that. Well, There's, certainly, that's no, that would, that, it's an extraordinary community. A, absolutely, absolutely. But I take, so it's no different from you all coming to the border and saying, yeah, it's unsafe, we need yeah. to secure and this I, place. I think you're missing something. And, we're, and we're Colonel McCraw, Colonel McCraw. We're not McCraw, picking on the, the, the counties on the border, we're not picking on the communities on the border, we're talking about a problem that all of us have to deal with as Texans because Washington's forgotten its responsibility. So, you know, we're not picking how, on one community versus another. We Dan, need to work together how, to solve the problem. How is, how is Washington failing to secure the border when Colonel McCross statistics are all federal statistics? You can't say that, that the federal government is doing a horrible job at securing the border when our DPS director is utilizing statistics from federal law enforcement. Well, in fact, so, I'm using, uh, you know, when, using when, those when, statistics to illustrate the, the problem, the right. impact. But, I mean, it, bottom line, zero is what looks right. Look, but back, look, to, back to the El Paso part. Hey, uh, Brian Chief Wolf of Police Greg Allen has done a tremendous job of being proactive. And you know, El Paso is far different than the Rio Grande Valley. One, one, of the things that's, one of the things that's getting lost in this narrative uh, and the way you know, the, the, uh, the narrative went down during the session is, and as Representative Blanco was trying to point out, is that for those of us that live on the border, and I literally live on the border. I, I throw a rock and hit the river. I mean, that's how close I live to the border. In fact, I invited Lieutenant Dan to come to the river and stand watch one night if he wanted to secure the border, but it's another story. <laughs> but I'll say this is the, 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 way the, the way the narrative takes place about the border, it, it makes it seem just like these gentlemen that came down and had these photo ops, it makes it seem like the border itself is the problem in the state, that we're some sort of different part of the state that deserves to be treated a little different. But you got to remember that all these issues, sure, they may come across the border, but it's communities like Flower Mound, it's Tarrant County, mm -hmm. it's these communities that are the ones that are actually impacted. Yeah, but I mean, that, that, that's the impact. That, that, those are the problems, like take care of the problem there. It's not, it's not so much that the, the border's always going to be permeable, because that's what borders are. You know, Colonel McGraw was describing a situation, it's like a balloon. If you squeeze the Rio Grande Valley, guess what? Sanderson, Texas, next time, you can walk divisions of men through the arroyos in Sanderson. From Sanderson to Fort Stockton, you wouldn't even see the dust coming up. That's how isolated it is. And so, I represent more of the border than any representative other than Will Hurd, and I'm talking from San Diego to Brownsville. That much of the border. So I can tell you that this idea of securing the border and, and sealing the border, it's not going to happen. It's not. You don't have enough. I mean, Colonel McGraw made a point. You can't hire enough Border Patrol agents. You can't. 
yeah, you can marry some technology here and we're going to spend $800 million because it makes us feel better and some people can tout that in a primary. But the truth is, is this needs to be looked at closely because of the impact that uh, Representative Blanc was talking about, the economic impact, and more importantly to somebody like me, and I think so even it should be important to you too, Tan, and to you as well, Larry, is how it paints the state and how it paints our part of the state. And I don't think that was discussed enough during the session and we, we just didn't get a chance, I think, to really develop that part of the narrative and it's disappointing to me. And I have no qualms with a man like uh, Colonel McGraw trying to do a job, which is a police job. That's his job and I have no issue with that. What I take issue with is us being political piñatas in this grand scheme and dance across the state and I have so, a problem with that. So, um, Chairman Phillips, I, I want you to re respond to that point about border security, and I, I wanted to ask you specifically, I mean, you read uh, some high numbers about uh, drugs seized on the border. What number would you be comfortable with? I mean, what, uh, if that is still the case look, next year, would you put another $500 million? I mean, is it? it, it look, I, 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 I hope that with the discussion that's going on nationally, that Washington will, will, will do what they're supposed to do. So that's not something that we're going to have to spend money on because I do not want to spend Texas dollars doing what the federal and that, that's not hyperbole. That's the truth. That's their constitutional job. That's what they should be doing. They're not doing it, and so we're having to do that, uh, and we're going to continue to do that as long as we need to. And I don't know what those numbers. So what we've got to do is let's get in place. It's not in place yet. Let's let them continue to get in place what they're doing. Let's let them. Uh, there are several parts of that legislation that need to get in place, and then let's monitor it. And that's what our committee that, that we're on are going to help work with them to make sure they're doing that. And we'll get into these numbers and these statistics. And I don't mind you pushing these matrices you talk about, that you want us to focus on that stuff. We need to make sure that we're getting the, the best bang for our buck. And, and that, that's, I mean, well, I, I have against, no problem you, doing But you it. voted against my amendment to require metrics. No, uh, no, no. During, during the, during no, the debate. You did. no. You because we it. said we were going to have the committee to study it. Why not and that's it, what we did. Why not make it law? Because, why not make it a because what you're doing is you're trying to create more bureaucratic nightmare to make it harder for them to do their job. We've got, and, and that's, that's, got, that's look, what it is. Look, the reality is there are more metrics and requirements for a half-day pre-K that the governor's requiring for four-year-olds than there are on DPS. And we're spending four times the amount of money in DPS than we are uh, in pre-K with with less requirements. I, 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 think I disagree with that completely. I think we need completely. more transparency. Yeah. I'd rather err on the side of transparency yeah. and good government uh, than, than, than just, say, just saying, look, we need to secure the border. It Here's doesn't seem very conservative-y, does it? Look, I, my, my perspective is, I, <laughs> yeah. I think, if you look at what the bill is doing, you look at the reporting requirement pertaining to this uh, criminal activity and the fact that we're no longer going to be broken into silos in this new repository that's nationally recognized, I mean, I, I think that's a wonderful step in the right direction. We all want metrics. I mean, the reality is, is that there hasn't been a committee that I've sat on in my terms, the legislature, or that Larry sat on, or any of us for that matter. We don't ask for metrics. So, you know, certainly I believe the Colonel will continue to provide good metrics. We'll see the data that uh, informs our decision about what we need to do with this program going forward when we come back. I'm delighted that we have this interim committee of 10 members. Of, those of you who aren't familiar, obviously five appointed by the Lieutenant Governor and five by the Speaker to study these issues. It's very important that we continue to uh, be close to it. And you know, my comment is, is that this is not about uh, we as Republicans uh, you know, picking on South Texas. That's not what the issue is at all. We're all Texans. We're united as Texans. It's about securing the safety of all 27 million of us in the country for that matter, particularly in a post 9-11 world. Well, and, I, and I just think we need to be serious about this and not pretend that it's uh, that it's not there. Ten, it's, and it's not, I, don't, I, I want to make sure people understand this. I don't believe that somebody sat down one day and said, you know what, let's pick on the border or let's pick on South Texas. But what has become, as we see these issues, what happens, it's like a little spark and it gets fanned and then the flame gets real big and you got people that live, and I, I'm going back to McCaffrey's report is, when Rick Perry decided to run for no, president. No, no, get him. I'm talking about the original report. Yeah, yeah that, very, that, very, no, very, that was, there were two reports. No. The 2010 report. Right? No, there was an earlier report. Mm -hmm. There was an earlier report, and that report had nothing to do with Rick Perry. That was sent to the Obama administration. Yeah, in 2008. When Perry, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember. It's only one report from Barry no, McCaffrey. No, there's, there's two reports. Well, McCaffrey's reports. Yeah. The bottom line, there, in the Obama administration, there's been more deportations. There's been. Uh, 
$18 billion uh, invested on, on border security. We've seen an unprecedented amount of money at the federal level and resources and, and not now at the state. The governor just asked for additional resources uh, for the border. When does it stop? Yeah, well, just and, like this, this rancher I, I, I talked to the other but day. But what I want to hear is this. What I want to hear is this. I want to hear Tan and I want to hear uh, Larry and I want to hear people that, that tend to agree wholeheartedly that this is a good idea. I want to hear him say in the same breath that we got an issue with the border, not the border community. I want to say I want them to say that that these are great places to live. Right. That this is where you should invest your money. Uh, that absolutely. these are safe yeah. communities. I want them to say in the same sentence. And we don't have that in the dialogue. Sure. What we what we have in these town halls, and I watch them, Tim. Believe it or not, I sit down and watch these town halls in communities away from the border when they discuss the border, and I don't hear any of that. What I hear is it's this wild, wild west place. You know, El Paso County is a very uh, desperate and hard place. Uh, Maverick County the same way, Hidalgo County the same way, and you know what? They're not. This, this may be above my pay grades. It's not. Me, right? no, it's not. <laughs> but I, but I, I don't disagree. Yeah. As I said I before, most of the, 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 the problems that occur aren't in the communities. In fact, we, we are the communities. We live down there and work down there. The, the, the problem is, is upstream, is, is, is in terms of it. We're a transshipment center. Now, there is problems that going through that impact that community. We understand that. And uh, we were thankful for the opportunity to, to, to work with our Border Patrol partners and with the, the tools they've given us, enabling tools this last session. I think uh, the Texas Transnational Crime Intelligence Center, operated by uh, the Hildago County Sheriff's Office and the uh, McAllen Police Department, is going to be helpful. Again, the metrics, data, data is important. Going from UCR crime reporting in terms of index crime to NIBRS, national based base reporting is going to be very good because now we've got transparency on all the data on all the communities. So when members ask in terms of asking a number of questions, I mean, the Department of Public Safety has an obligation to be able to parse that data any way, shape, or form that you want it and to be able to account accountable to that. And that's, that's an obligation that we have and we'll take very seriously. And I know that we're going to get the oversight on that. I've already been told that many, many times. And the chairman's not, a, not afraid to give me a little tough love from time to time. And, uh, and we expect that from the department. We work for you. We work for the citizens. We work for the governor. And the governor's also made it very clear what our obligations are and how important. I meet with them every two weeks on this issue, at least, you know, in this week as well I met on this issue. And uh, we'll continue to keep them update. And, and our obligation is to keep members up, up to date as well. But I, it really helps, especially those that have got military background. Or any, when you get down there, to take a look, to take a look at our operations. If you see things that we can improve operations, we want to make constant improvements. So uh, Chairman Phillips, on this, and we're going to have to uh, go to questions, or we're going to get to go to questions in a, in a minute. But on this interim committee, are, are you expecting there to be more requirements of metrics? And are you, um, are you ho hoping uh, that there might be a goal for, you know, for what exactly is, or a definition of what border security is out of that committee? Well, uh, I'm trying to think. Colonel, what's the definition of border security that's, that, that you all have adopted? Yep. The detection, we, the detection. Hard to do that. No, 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 no. That's what we've adopted. But, yeah. but what they say. But, but this ability to detect, okay, and interdict all smuggling events between the ports of entry. Okay, that's it. I mean, that, that's that's all what. One hundred percent. Well, that's what that's you use, the, that's use the all. goal. I mean, yeah. In terms of all, if you're talking about one hundred percent. Yeah. Larry, I had another amendment that defined border security that you voted against yes. uh, when we were talking I, about I, this, I, the border I, security bill. And it was you probably voted against was, some of my amendments. It was, too. Well, so this, is, but this is the border security. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I did, I did vote against uh, campus carry. I didn't, um, that wasn't my bill. It's open carry. <laughs> or open carry. Um, you know, we, we need to make sure that it's clearly defined because uh, it's dangerous when policymakers are asking state agencies how do you define border security? Uh, we need to coordinate, clearly. But we are representative of the people. Uh, and we need to be able to come up with that definition, yeah. and, and which, is, which is why I wrote an amendment that clearly defines certain crimes. We don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot either. And, 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 and according to the, some of the reporting that's going to be in this crime index uh, includes things like gambling, uh, larceny, uh, you know, um, curfew violations. That, is going to balloon Kidnapping, the statistics. Kidnappings, extortions. Well, th those I agree traffic. with. Things yeah. like that yeah. that are related to cartel crime yeah. should be defined as border security. But not everything else that makes the border, uh, from a cumulative uh, perspective, look very dangerous. Yeah. And, and, and I think what amazes me is, is the, the conversation that we hear is that you keep saying that people are saying it's dangerous there. And you're not hearing. We want to secure the border. And it's not the border community we're talking about. Because we have a great economic interest 
in success of Mexico and our partners south. And, and we've got to clean up this. And we've got to work with our Mexico partners. I mean, this is so much beyond just saying El Paso is not a, a safe place, because that's not what we're saying. We're saying we have to take care of this. I mean, we haven't talked about those threats of those that want to do harm in this country. They're going to come through that very porous th border. There are things that we can do, that the federal government can do. And all I'm doing is partner with us to help get them to do what they're supposed to do. I, I agree. Instead of saying you, that he's sloppy because he's doing what we're asking him to do. Well, and, and I don't think he's sloppy. Well, right. I, to your point about, about helping our, so why aren't we, uh, why isn't there a larger effort in, um, and, and this, this could be a role of the DPS, to capture gun smugglers that are going south to, uh, it, to, it, to Texas, to it, Mexico. It, and that's 70, part of that. 70% yes. of narco crime, uh, murders that are committed are as a result of U.S. guns. And, we and, have a direct right, impact right. on that. And, and, and we could do something right. better. And that's why House Bill 12, so on House Bill 12, we put in that they can coordinate and work with the federal government to help with southbound checkpoints, to get the cash and guns going south. But at the same time, we had members that were just as concerned as what Poncho was talking about, is how we talk about it and the language we use in that uh, as really, because they did not want Look, their people to be stopped and, 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 uh, and harassed. Then, 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 then I encourage Republicans to stop uh, the Scott Walkers and the Donald Trumps and those folks that are coming down to take border uh, security yeah. pictures and using them you, up for the campaign. You think any of us could control Donald Trump? <laughs> no. Or no. Scott Walker? You know, no, but you I, can, I, you've you never can, seen a picture but, of me. But as a Texas you've never seen a picture of me on the border as a, as a Texas as going for any. You never see my picture's not on there, but and you won't. Ten, well, ten maybe. He's a lot better looking than him. But, 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 as a Texas Republican, you can make the statement to say, not in our state, right? Not in our state. You will not use our state as a political punching bag. Look, this is a constructive conversation. Okay, I mean, you know, when we get beyond the the opening politics of this discussion, we talk about what substance is and how we do good things. I acknowledge, just as the Colonel did and Larry that it's important that we talk about our culture, we talk about these communities and what a wonderful place they are to live and work and raise a family. So we're all in agreement with that. So, I mean, again, and I think it's a good point that we can talk about the vernacular that we use in these types of discussions. I think that's healthy for everybody. But at the end of the day, you can't disregard that we have a real issue that all of us need to work together to solve. And all we're saying from a Texas perspective is we like Washington to come and provide additional support to pick up the bill for what we're spending. We don't want to spend $840 million uh, if it wasn't absolutely necessary. But it is absolutely necessary given the current environment that we're in. But Tim, so we, we, we'd so much prefer to put those resources gonna, somewhere else. A, I, just, I just want to, so after this, we're going to take <laughs> questions because we're overdue for that. So maybe you can start lining up and then, and then you can I'll, I'll just, I'll end with this, is that <laughs> what, again, what gets lost in this narrative is that, and I remember pointing this out in the committee, is we are the major exporters of, of a lot of this misery that Colonel McCraw was talking about. And when I say exporters of this misery that, that, that we now see kind of buffeted back at us is we're the ones that provide these guns. And I was telling Colonel McCraw, I got pulled over by a DPS agent, and he asked, I was leaving Stark County, and he asked me if I had uh, drugs, money, and guns. In that order, I said, I'm going to give you a geopolitical lesson. Drugs go north, money and guns go south. And so we, because it's true, is we, we are the major exporters of this misery that these folks, as Colonel McCraw uh, definitely described in Mexico, are, are living under because we're the ones that export the guns and we're the ones that are exporting the money because we're the main purveyors of a lot of that stuff that's coming off. And so, but we don't, that, that, is, that right. is lost in these narratives and these right. town halls when we talk about border right. security. I have yet to see a representative, whether he's a Democrat or a Republican, give his constituents a tongue lashing and say, you know what, you're responsible for this. It's your fault. Each and every one of you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the tongue lashing, it's y'all's fault, it's my fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. We are the purveyors of this. But we tend to demonize what area? The border. Right. And, that, and that's, that I think, I hope that that does not get lost in all of Representative Blanco's efforts, in your efforts or yours. We gotta go, we gotta yeah. go to quickly. I just quickly. Just, want, just, just quickly, I just yeah. wanna say, you talk to our partners in government Mexico, in Mexico, they, they make it clear that when you talk about the impact, we say, hey, stop it. it it's, it's, it's bad for you and us. They understand that because they've been living with it. But their point is, is that as long as we have an unending demand for you know, drugs and, and also trafficking of, of international, whether it's sex trafficking or human trafficking, it will continue to come. 
So they, 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 they counter that and say, what can we do about the demand? And we understand that. In the meantime, it's about how we can be proactive. And we certainly work. We'll try to do everything we can to, to be successful. That's right. Well, and you can't put a price on human life and the trafficking issues that we're dealing with. And, you know, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about, and folks, uh, many of us in this room probably helped support what we worked on, was going specifically after the demand side, right? So it's not just about the law enforcement piece, it's going after demand. And it's one stat that none of us in this room are proud of the fact that Texas is leading the way, unfortunately, tragically, with regard to human trafficking. And it needs to stop. And, but, but these are real elements. This is not about picking on our wonderful communities of the South. This is about crime and the impact of crime in our community. And, and that's an example that we all, I think we all supported House Bill 10. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so, did, so I think we, we all did. Which, which bipartisan support, Larry. That's which right. Which dressed that issue. That's uh, right. I think everybody is obviously very passionate up here. Yeah. Uh, we have about 10 minutes left, I think. I want to uh, make sure we get to questions. Please keep it short, because we are. Sure. Uh, a couple things. Uh, the first, keeping, having the border 100% secure just seems to defy logic, just, just. And why, and why is that? I, I, I well, want to know okay. that. Do you, I mean. 1,254 miles. Yeah, okay, let, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. So we have, uh, 10 years ago, actually, about the time you got in, uh, we had 10,000 Border Patrol agents. Now we have 20,000 Border yeah. Patrol agents. We have 700 miles of wall to keep us secure or whatever. In El Paso, they apprehend, on average, four people a year. And when you start putting troops and everything else, uh, saying, oh, this is going to keep us secure, well, that, you know, the majority of cocaine actually comes through the ports. So that do you have a question? Do that. Yeah, so actually point? my question is, I'm sorry, I was yeah, answer responding my question. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, and by the way, one final point on, the, on, it, on drugs, is the vast majority of meth is actually produced in the U.S. So that would, based on that logic, we need a fence around you, North you, Texas. You, it used to be. For, you know, no, that's, not, that's, that's not. That's not. That's not true. That, I don't believe that that's yeah. true anymore. Well, okay, uh, and and, and we. Okay, so back in 2012, we're going to say it would. It came from China or whatever. But anyway, my question actually is around marijuana. Since we have done all these things and are failing at a drug war, why not just? tax and regulate marijuana. Chairman, you want to take a stab at that? That's all policy. Well, look, I, I'll just say this. Uh, you know, uh, Texas is not going to follow the direction of Colorado. Uh, and, I'll, yeah. and I'll leave it at that. Uh, you know, I mean, the reality is, is that uh, we need to continue to keep, in my mind, the laws in place as they pertain to uh, recreational use of marijuana products. We obviously, I think, did the right and compassionate thing uh, in passing for a very specific usage, uh, medical marijuana for children with childhood epilepsy. Uh, I think that was good, intelligent uh, decision for us. But I think we'll continue to stay the course that we have historically on Texas on that issue. Yeah, I, I don't see that in the near future. And again, this father that called me the other night started with marijuana. So you can say that. But she's meth addicted. It's terrible. It's terrible what they're going through. So we can talk about it's no big deal. Just wait till your loved ones follow that trail and get there. So. All right. Yeah, I, my question is uh, well, a couple observations and a question is that um, one, it seems like you guys have spoken for 45 minutes and appreciate the dialogue, but it seems like there's a lot of blame and and let's protect the border. I mean, I, who argues with protecting the border? Then it comes, but there's no, um, there's not any specific goals around what, when, when is the border protected or where, what, what defines protection of the border? And I say that in the context of, you know, I come from a family that we own a fair amount of property in Brewster County and in Jim Hogg County. So I, you know, I've been to the border a lot and, I, and the ability to protect the whole border is kind of unrealistic, particularly in Brewster County. Um, okay. and, and even in Jim Hogg County where there's more activity but also as a guy who's a conservative who lives in Dallas. And so, and certainly have lived in New York and have heard the, as we, as, and as a big Texan, because people, when we, when, we, when we do bash the border, people all over the country think negative of Texans. And I hate that as a Texan. So I guess my real question is though, instead of the blame game, what, when is the border secure? Are there, are there goals? Are there, are there specifics around, what's the, how's that defined? You have, no one's addressed that. I mean, I, I don't, I can't tell you, and I, again, I've, lived most of my life along that river and I can't tell you 
a feeling now of being less secure or more secure. I remember specifically there was a time when, and I don't know if you all remember this, back in 85 when a DEA agent by the name of Quique Camarena, he disappeared in Guadalajara, he was working DEA. And what the port of entry did is they shut the, the bridge down. They searched each and every car. And what this was was a protest to the Mexican government to do something about the search for Kika Camarena. And so I tell you this story because in the ebb and flow of commerce, because you have to talk about commerce when you talk about securing the border and what it means to commerce is that, that shut, they, they sealed the border down at the ports of entry from San Diego, California to Brownsville in order to demonstrate this. And it had a tremendous effect on the Mexican government because of the stoppage in, in the flow of, of human beings coming legally and, and commerce coming legally. And so even in, in, in times like this, and you're talking about almost 30 years ago, is, was the border safer or less safe? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't feel any less safer today just because Donald Trump says I should or because Scott Walker says I should or because Obama says I shouldn't. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel one way or the other. I think other. the question is why not set a number and say, okay, when apprehensions are this low, we're done. Right. We're not, we're not tracking that. Right. That's the problem, is that we, we, we're, we're throwing money at the problem, but we're not measuring success. And I don't understand how you... How, how, do, how do you say that? We, we, we get the numbers. We know what the numbers are. And the ultimate goal is These are the to numbers, have... Aaron. The, the and ultimate... They're, and, they're, and they're border patrol numbers and local law enforcement. Right. right. That's, that's who we work with. That's right. And that's how the numbers, well, what, because you're talking I'm about not, immigration, I'm, I'm not you're not just talking about government. I'm you're talking about immigration, but you're talking about immigration, and we can't do immigration. I'm not. Ta I'm talking about border security. Okay. No. See now. See now. You're going because we know the drug. These, they know. They know who they prosecute. They know what they apprehend. I'm not sure you. I, we don't know. We don't know. Colonel, we, can we you don't tell know. us? We can't. We, can, can, we, can you we, tell us when you make arrests? Can you tell us when you make that. stops? And don't you do that? that? The, the challenge, the challenge it, and, and what we do is to ensure that they're not cartel operatives, transnational gang members, that they're not human traffickers, they're not, they haven't preyed on anybody they've crossed at that point in time because there are state crimes that we can prosecute them on, including smuggling, which the legislature, we can do that as well, as long as there's conveyances involved. And we have a, we take an oath to the U.S. Constitution to obey the laws. And if we see a violation, we have reasonable suspicion and probable cause that a, a federal crime has been committed, we contact and refer that to our federal partners. In this case, it's Border Patrol uh, to ensure that they have an opportunity to address that particular, that we're not, because we don't put anybody in jail for immigration. Right. But we're surging. Yeah. We're not measuring what we're getting for the dollars. And I think to the man's question, gentleman's question, we need to know what we're accomplishing with, with what we're spending. And, and that's why I look forward to spending some time down there. And I'm not understanding why you say we're not getting that. Because yeah. I, I see because, it. Because we the numbers in the OSS report yeah. cite federal apprehensions uh, and local law enforcement. I'm, uh, I'm interested uh, in DPS. Okay, but do you, do you understand? We have that as well. Data as well. We have that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, I and, it's, I, and it's a I combination. Don't, I don't disagree. And, and, and let me talk about but something. I, but I want to make very clear, because I told our Board of Patrol sheriffs, I talked to them this week, is that DPS is parsing our data out, not because we're saying, look at DPS, we got 40% of the currency seizures, look how cool we are. We're doing it because members want to take a look at what DPS is right. doing. And that's, so we're not doing it to try to show off, we're doing it very, because we, we need to be held accountable, and if, if a member... If Representative Blanco wants the data this way, we're going to give it to you this way. Yeah. And we'll play, we'll I, mean, yeah. you know, I mean, look, with strong safety, when, when you're able to find $3.5 billion of contraband in that period of time of a year, uh, they're doing an incredible job. And those the are metrics that are in. According, according to the report, the federal government doing a fantastic Guys, why don't, job. Why don't we let them take, yeah, ask some more questions? We just have a couple, couple more minutes. Uh, we'll, I, uh, yeah. Thank you for your time this morning. My name is Jose Vasquez, and I'm an LBJ student uh, at the School of Public Affairs here. I wanted to ask, we've been addressing the issue of, of supply, so we want to address the, the drugs coming through the border and also human trafficking. Can we talk a little bit about demand? How can we address the demand of these items that are coming through the border? Here in the state of Texas, any strategies that are currently being implemented or being thought mm -hmm. of uh, to, to think about that, that other side of this greater uh, contextual problem? You know, we, 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 didn't have, we didn't really have that discussion during the, during the session about that part of it. And I, I can tell you that it came up during committee just briefly, and I'm, I remember, and again, I'll say what I said then, and I said it this morning, is we're the exporters of the misery, just as you're pointing out. And so that discussion needs to be had, I, I, I can tell you, with a lot more degree of uh, 
rifle shot and we need to allocate some money for that because it's it is part of the grand scheme of this thing it really is i mean you can't do one without the other i might just say just a slightly different that we did have a conversation i had carried actual legislation on some of these demand issues one in particular was dealing with on the trafficking side going after the johns and the reality is is that in my mind in order to solve the problem you've got to specifically increase the penalties on a john uh, that is purchasing these services i, I believe that's very important uh, we were not, uh, did not finish the mission in the 84th session. Uh, with my help of my colleagues here on the stage, we will finish that in the 85th. But, but that's a prime example of something that we can do that's meaningful uh, to be able to shut down the problem. And, and the other thing that we did, I'll, I'll share with you this part of my personal human trafficking package, was one that we passed that specifically allowed uh, a young woman who's been a victim of these types of horrible crimes, this modern form of slavery. She now has the ability, uh, when she was an innocent victim, to have the ability to put in place an order of non-disclosure, to do a set-aside of an order of non-disclosure so that she's protected, so she can go back and be upwardly mobile in life, the chance to go back to school, the chance to get a job. So I think these are other intelligent ways and part of the dialogue we need to address uh, in addition to the incredible work that Colonel McGraw and our DPS officers, uh, along with obviously our uh, county uh, law enforcement and city law enforcement and obviously the federal law enforcement authorities are doing as well. It's a, it's a multi-pronged approach and I think the demand discussion is a very good one and one that we need to continue to have in the next session. All right, so unfortunately we are out of time. Um, uh, maybe very quickly, one last question. Okay, so there's been a lot of mention about numbers and money and how much DPS can account for and how the state has to put in money to compensate for what the federal government's not doing. But the Austin American statesman reported that that vast seizure, number of seizures of uh, drugs and other contraband were by the federal government, over about 90%. So how do you justify $815 million on border security when DPS's own statistics show that the seizures are very small? And separately, and I want to make this very real, I was in Brooks County and I picked up a 13-year-old lost Guatemalan boy and wrote about it in the current issue of the Oxford American. And I watched as people did not stop to pick him up. And the reason they don't stop to pick him up is because if you pick him up, your vehicle can be seized under asset forfeiture. Your house, if you take him to your house, can be seized. I could have been arrested. I was pulled over by a deputy after I dropped him off. I mean, we talk about Brooks County and all those people who died. I want to know in a very real way what laws have been put in place to deter people from doing basic acts of human kindness that don't seem to apply on the border. And I'm happy to send that article to any one of you. The legislature made it clear when we were passed back in June 17th. The legislature made it clear back in 2014 what we were directed to do. Can I actually just read one point real quick? No, 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 we just, no. We, we got and, it. And that, we, were, we were directed to stem the influx of uh, drugs and, and illegal aliens that were coming across the border in the Rio Grande Valley, which was the center of gravity. That was what we were directed to do, plain and simple, to stem it. Now, if we wanted to talk about seizures, whether we can show a 30% or whether we can show 40% of the currency seizures, none of that really matters. At the end of the day, you, can't, you cannot seize your way to a secure border. You can't arrest your way to it as well. You have to have that area of inability to detect and interdict everything that comes between the ports of entry. And so, you know, our troopers are, are, have done a very good job. We'll continue to do so. And there's no question about it. We will continue to seize drugs. The mission, mission one is, is not, to, not to seize drugs. The mission one is to secure between the ports of entry. I just want to close with this. Um, this session is a border and the legislature. And we've talked all about border security. We're not talking about SpaceX. We're not talking about Stargate, the great things that the astrophysics, the students are learning astrophysics in Brownsville. We're not talking about the Center for Advanced Manufacturing in Edinburgh. We're not talking about uh, the medical schools in El Paso. Uh, we're not talking about trade. These are all critical components of our state and our nation. But this has been about border security, although the, to the topic is about the border. This is a demonstration of what we talk about in the legislature. We need to change that for our border. We need to demonstrate that the border is the future of Texas, and, and we can do a lot more by investing in education and workforce training. Uh, All right. Well, I think this guy's going to beat me up if we don't. Uh,
Well, that's the moderator's fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, give, a, give a panel to Adam. I don't think. Give. Leave it at that. <laughs>